When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Tommy from Jukebox the Ghost, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. What I ask you to to really begin this is like, how did you all kind of get together? Because Listen, in Canada and with any band, sometimes it starts in high school. They know each other. Sometimes it's in university. We have a Canadian band here called the Arkells, which is really cool to find out like yeah, yeah, their whole great. background and the name. And sometimes I'm really interested in names because it's like, what was the band's original name before you got a letter that says, hey, fuck off. Don't use that name. But tell me like your whole experience of number one, creating the band and the name, because I think there's an interesting part that the name that you have now wasn't originally the name it was. That is true. So we, yeah. uh, the, th- the three of us met in college, uh, which was now a very, very long time ago. Uh, <laughs> we've been a band for 18 years. So yeah, we met in uh, the fall of 2004. We were all sophomores in college. I had put up a flyer in the music department. And really, to really date myself, it, it, it was a flyer that had... Um, uh, my landline number. So uh, they called my landline. I didn't have a cell phone. And uh, yeah, we met up and jammed. And uh, they already kind of had a project going called the Sunday Mail. And so I joined the Sunday Mail because their guitarist of six months or whatever had had left the school. And yeah, so I, I joined up with them. And then eventually we kind of, you know, like later on in college, we felt like we were more of a real band took a couple of years and probably a couple albums worth of bad material to get through. And then we were like, you know, I think we're ready to record an album. And when we started thinking about doing that, we started thinking about changing our name from the Sunday Mail, which was at the time totally ungoogleable. And it was very clear that that was going to become an important thing. So we came up with a band named Jukebox the Ghost. And it was really like just the most deliberate, like we got to think of a band name kind of thing. So we were all trying to look for inspiration wherever we could find it. I thought jukebox would be a really fun word to have in a band name. That was my, I was like jukebox. Yeah. Great word, you know, Ben really wanted it something to do with a ghost from a literary passage. And okay. uh, yeah. And Jesse, our drummer wanted us to be a the band, like, you know, like the, <laughs> the strokes or the kings the, or whatever. Like, yeah. Know? Like the Smith 1975. Yeah. yeah. I get you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now, so we, then we just became jukebox, the ghost. Well, I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way. Cause imagine if it was like the jukebox ghost and be like, I don't get it. Or ghost, the jukebox. You'd be like, what? you know, <laughs> honest, honestly, th- those all sound like equal nonsense to our actual band name to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like it. Cause like when I looked up, obviously like doing a little bit of research it's like the sunday mail and you're talking about like ungoogleable i was just still like man like if i looked up the sunday mail like i get it like some bands you look out and you're like okay this was what they started off with and then if you google that you're not getting the hit so that's what i think when you say the sunday mail i'm like if you look that sunday mail up don't matter if you're in canada us wherever 
the first thing you're going to see is like, oh, here's what you missed in the news, especially nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And there's, there's one, the reason we didn't stick with that band name was one we knew is kind of like a bad joke, you know, because it's, yeah. oh, haha, the mail doesn't come on Sundays, you know? Yeah. But also, uh, the, you know, even at that time, I mean, I think there were like a dozen newspapers around the world called the Sunday Mail. So, oh, yeah. That, yeah. Because yeah, I guess they're looking at the same standpoint of like, hey, you're not getting mail on Sunday. But yeah, here, yeah. I think it's just interesting because, you know, coming up with a band name is one thing, but like, I feel like, you know, not to date myself, but I was just one of those creative kids that I was like, you know, I'm not using Google. I'm just going to come up with stuff on the fly. And then the most creative name I could have came up with was like Bleth. Cause it was like during an emo Bleth. stage. Yeah. It was like during an emo stage where I liked Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco. And I'm in high school. I don't have a single musical like bone in my body, but I'm like, maybe I can like create a band and I'll just be like the manager, but I'll have like, the <laughs> name already down pat. And I'm like, I like the color blue. And what's what's trending right now is like death emo. So I'm like blue death, bleth. But then like someone was like, yeah, but what about you really suck? Then people just be like, oh, it's so blah. I'm like, oh, you're right. Totally right. And then I, I just seen a lot of albums with like all time low and then different names to like what they call the albums. And I'm like similar to what you said, but I was like, OK, let's come up with something that it sounds cool. So I was like, what about if we just called ourselves sophomore year? And then I was like, that sounds like a kick ass name for a band. And I never Googled it. So knowing me and my luck, I'd like start performing with a band called sophomore year. And they'd be like, actually, I'd be like, ah, because like, yeah, the, yeah, Ar- yeah. the Arkells had mentioned like their original one was Charlemagne. And then someone named Charlemagne the God or something sent them a cease and desist oh, letter. Oh, yeah. Right. And like Blink-182 was called Blink. And then someone was like, hey, you can't use that. And I'm like, man, that's way before you could just type it in and see what happens. Totally. Now today, now today, you see people with like creative names, and you're like, you definitely spent some time on that. Like, there's just yeah, yeah. you definitely just wanted to be called like Alex, and there was someone called Alex. You're like Alex twenty three. Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you just make that trending. Like, you know, you don't even care. It's like someone's like, man, that sounds so lame. Until they blow up, and then you're like, oh, it sounds so cool now. It's like, yeah, it probably didn't though when you first heard it. I, I actually have a, I have, a, I have a document still rolling on my phone. Just whenever I see something, I'm like, oh, that'd be a good band name. Yeah, or a good I'm album just, name I'm at this point. Constantly adding to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you, because like you mentioned, of course, creating it, uh, this band uh, in university with Ben and Jesse. Now, mm-hmm. it was probably, I guess it was like your sophomore year or your last year of university that you created uh, your sophomore album. How hard is that to do in university? Because I mean... Like, depending on what you're studying, I was doing communications, so it was pretty easy if I wanted to go and do something else. But like, depending on your focus, you're still trying to make your dreams come true in music, but also, okay, I still got to try to either get this degree or something that I've spent my time at university for. Like, how hard was that to manage? Well, you know, we were um, maybe blessed by not actually having a career. (laughs) It's hard to it's hard to explain because we, we enjoyed the band a lot. We played a lot. But we weren't, none of us in the band had any ambition. Like our ambition was just like to play. We're like, oh, we've got this show in the cafeteria coming up in two weeks. We got to make some flyers and put them under people's doors. You know what I mean? It was very rudimentary stuff. It never really bumped up against classwork or anything like that. We didn't start, um, the the timing of it was that um, in our last semester of college was pretty much the first time that anybody started taking us seriously and you know we recorded our album during christmas break of college so that didn't really 
yeah, up against anything. We also recorded it in only six days, so it you know didn't exactly take that much time. So yeah, we never really bumped up against that as a conflict at all. And in fact, I, I think none of us um, were interested in having it be a conflict. You know. So I guess what I, I guess another side question of that is like you know when you first start off creating a band and you want to just play because you guys like like the music. Or you guys like it's something that maybe it's like an interest or hobby of yours. But like, when do you kind of cross that road where you're kind of like, all right, this has been fun, but now we either need to make money off this or we need to take this serious. Cause I know people like to put it out there on social media. Like, you know, Hey, we're fun loving guys or like, Hey, I'm a girl that likes playing music, but guess what? I don't take it too seriously. It's like, all right, there has to come a point where you're like, yeah, you can be that as a person, but you need to make something out of it. So people just don't go like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's just a side hustle. It's like, no, it's like, this is what I do for a living. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think for us, luckily, those two moments, two moments that collided where we started taking it more seriously and people started taking us more seriously kind of around the same time. So we didn't run into that weird feeling of taking it more seriously and not getting it fed back at you. Because I've had that happen with side projects or whatever, you know. But yeah, I mean, we recorded our album in, during our senior year, and that was like a terrifying amount of money to put down as a, you know, of like our summer work. Really, it was, I, yeah. I, I kind of self-financed our <laughs> album with my summer work money. And uh, yeah, that was like a very terrifying experience. So that after that, we were like, well, we got to book a CD release show. And it just so happened that somehow we're, I don't know if it was just that we'd be, we were seniors in, in college or if we just happened to get good enough, but it felt like word was spreading on its own. And so when we played a gig, we knew there were going to be people there. Whereas, you know, there, we had three years where, you know, anywhere we played, we could count on, you know, five to nine people being there. And, uh, you know, and that was true for everywhere outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, after we graduated. So it took us a long time to kind of organically build the fan base that we have now outside of Washington, D.C. But Washington, D.C. was our first like we got this really wonderful look at what it could be in a very early stage. So like our senior year of college, like we did a city release show and like 700 people came out. We were like, okay, well like wow. we should do, we should do this. Like it would be silly not to, you know? It's almost um, like, yeah, it's like you're a one hit, like not like a one hit wonder, but like a one time thing where it's like, Hey, we're going to do this. Whoever shows up great, but letting you know that this is it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, and it's interesting. I don't know based on the kind of people that we are, I don't know how long we would have kept going if people weren't coming. Uh, yeah. um, if people hadn't started coming when we started taking it seriously. I, I like, I wouldn't say that we're like lazy, but we're none of us, um, I think, had the kind of, I see a lot, I feel like I meet kids at shows who are asking me like career advice and all this oh, stuff. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And I was not that kid. So I, I kind of don't know how to answer them. Um, I think we were very much coming to it from a place of like, we're, three people we enjoy writing songs we like playing music and we like playing music for our friends we just got lucky you know i feel like you give that answer to like a 16 or 15 year old today they're like all right this guy's an asshole you don't want to share his secrets right right well i I mean also like i wouldn't i mean good lord ask me to start a project now i don't know i don't know what i do you know i i do like like the social media presence because i think Ben had done something with social media and like, I like how you're all active with social media, but to the fun, like fun aspect. Cause I was scrolling through it 
And I think Ben does a perfect job of summarizing social media where he's like, how we interacted with our manager over the years. Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like Facebook's that you have to post on Facebook every day. You have to post on Twitter. Now it's TikTok. I've given up. I've stopped. I'm like, you know what? TikTok is for a younger generation than me. I will post clips, but I'm not heavily invested just because, like Ben said, like there could be something in the next coming years down the road. So I'm like, as long as I kind of stay active with stuff and you know where to find me, that's great. But I was never into Snapchat. I like Instagram, but I'm not like diehard. Oh, my God, if I don't post this today, people won't see that. Like, how do you as a band kind of manage all that? We kind of don't. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we try our best, but I mean, um, and well, and this is something that I, I, I felt like I really came up against, particularly starting like probably seven or eight years ago, feeling like music was just impossible to promote on the internet just because it, it become, it's such a visual medium. Yeah. And a lot of times you feel like you're just begging people to like, please listen to my music for free, you know, which it, it can feel really degrading. So I actually started, I, I started, I became a cartoonist around that more seriously. Okay. And now, I mean, car, now I kind of do half and half my cartoon, my cartoon work and the band, um, just cause I found that, you know, I, I, I kind of, I did like a cartoon a day for a year as a personal challenge. And then from there it kind of grew and snowballed and now it's kind of got its own, um, following. And it's just because pictures are a lot easier to, to, to do on the internet than music. They kind of like move themselves. You don't have yeah. to like always swim upstream. So yeah, I mean now, now I'm in the weird position where my cartooning platform is much bigger than the bands. Oh. So I'm constantly telling people to be like, you know, if I, when I put out a cartoon, I'm like, check out my band, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I feel like nobody believes me that it's like a, like we're a, a serious band, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're just um, like, he's like, well, he does such good cartooning. Maybe he's just a jokester with a band. And then when they, they go listen to music, he's like, no, that's actually real crap. Like that's real shit that we're listening to real crap. It's like, it's like the real, the realest shit that we're listening to. Cause they expect it to be like, Oh, it's probably going to be like, him making fun of me's cartooning and it's like no that's serious topics he's singing about yeah, just it's like, like oh. Lo- looney tune sound effects or yeah, yeah. But, but yeah i mean so i i mean i found that <laughs> i was astonished how much easier it was to be a cartoonist online than to be a musician and, and in a very like short amount of time of taking it seriously as opposed to my music career which i've been taking seriously on the internet for a yeah. long time getting nowhere really and that yeah, cartooning just felt like you were just like Instead People of swimming like, upstream, you're just tubing down the river, you know? I feel like it's just social media in general, just like if you try too hard at it, you're just going to get frustrated. Where if you try very little and like, you know, just post, it's almost like it comes to, do you want the medium or do you want the message? And I think people are like, they're not concerned about the message. It's just the medium where it's like, all right, post, 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 post. Then you scroll through it. You're like, all right, half this was good. But it's like, people are like, which half did you like? I don't know. I like this half. And then it's just, yeah. you open yourself to an audience where if you concern yourself with, well, I want, this is the message. You're only focusing on one particular group. I mean, I really feel, I really feel for anyone who's starting in the music industry right now, especially since the pivot to video has kind of happened on every major yeah. platform, just cause like, boy, video content's a lot of work. And I, you know, I don't know about you. I, you know, I, I love music. I love writing music. I love playing music. I didn't get into music because I wanted to make videos. Like I don't yeah. care. 
you know, I can summon these ways to try and stay engaged with it. Boy, if you're, if you're a musician who doesn't like being on camera or doing selfie style confessionals and stuff, like it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's hard just to promote and engage with music on its own merits online. It has to be always attached to something else. Yeah. I feel like a good example of that, like now, depending on when you, like I grew up listening to like Blink-182, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney, like all the pop stuff, but like we didn't have social media. So like the only time you're actually, you'd hear them on the radio and then you'd get like super excited if they came out with a video for that song and you'd see it on like much music here in Canada or like MTV. But like that was kind of a gift that you got to like, cause there are certain songs that you like, but there's no music video and, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But now like I look at it when I was in university and you had like the Ed Sheeran's, the John Mayer's and I'm like, I am totally fine. I think for like a good solid three years, listen to Ed Sheeran. I didn't know who, who he was. Like I knew him as a musician, but never knew his face kind of the same with John Mayer. And I was like, I'm okay with the whole rest of my life. If I never see your face, cause your yeah. songs are good. You're talented. And to this day, I think with Ed and John's social media, it's mostly like if you see an Ed Sheeran promo, it's probably just him being like, hey, like, check out this act we signed, Macy Peters. I'm going to help her out. I'm like, good. Thank you. Don't make it too, like a two minute long video where it's like, hey, check out my new song. I'm like, we know who he is. He's talented. Boom. Got it. But there are artists out there now who you don't know of. And that's literally what they have to do is find a trend, hop on it. And then that's how they become more popular. I know who Charlie is it like Charlie Puth? Is it P U T H? Yeah. Like I know who Yeah, he is. I know who he is through TikTok. I, I don't I but yeah, it's just weird because like I don't know what his music sounds like. He just no, appear, like, appears on my TikTok feed. Yeah, like I knew we I knew who he was because of like Wiz Khalifa and the song See You Is it like yeah, See You Again? And then he kinda disappeared for me. But okay. then this this younger generation, because I have a niece and nephew, will do TikToks with his sound. And I'm like, you know who that is? And they're like, oh yeah, it's Charlie Puth. He's great. And I'm like, all right. And then you'll play the song. See you again. They're like, what is this? I'm like, that is still the same guy. And they're like, well, it sounds like I don't like it. And I'm like, all right, congrats, Charlie Puth. You found your audience. You found a way to stay trending and like relative, but I like you better over here. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird, it's, it's a weird new landscape. It's hard to, hard to traverse. And maintain interest i think as a creator because it's it feels especially in this sort of like hyper algorithm focused uh era it uh it doesn't feel like you have any control (laughs) and when things are successful which they yeah we've had videos that have gotten a lot of plays but you never know which one and sometimes it's like the absolute worst one you've done but for (laughs) some reason it's just like it just pops in someone's algorithm it's really really strange so yeah we're still trying to figure out our tiktok lane uh we tried pretty hard this spring and uh, i don't know i mean at the end of the day uh we are 30 somethings on tiktok which is uh not really uh, that's that's where i'm to that's where i'm on tiktok i want to touch base on this because i think this is interesting and like it's a peak where i think a lot of bands kind of get that overall exposure because in 2010 you went on letterman and I feel like that's where, like, for someone like myself, I grew up loving Conan. So I like, you know, I, I'm here watching Conan because I like Conan, but I like who he interviews. Then I get exposed to that person, like a Matthew Perry, uh, Sarah Silverman, whoever he has on. I'm like, oh, OK, now I know who you are. Now I'm going to do a little bit of research on you. But I always stick around for the band aspect to see, like, all right, he'll either have, like, someone we know on. 
And sometimes when I'm younger, when I'm stupid and I see like a no name band at first, I'm like, uh, what happened? Did someone forget to make a phone call? Did you go down the street and just ask these guys to perform? Right, right. But well, then, that, that was us. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's almost like you listen to them. You're like, all right, I'm down with it. I can listen to it. But do you find like now, like back then, that's how you kind of got your mass audience or exposure through like going on a late night show or? No, you know, it's really funny. I mean, I think we we thought that might be the case. Um, yeah. We didn't see any real meaningful bump. Oh, wow. Um, in attendance in our shows or anything from from that. And it was too early for streaming. So we, it, it, for us, it was a really exciting opportunity. And more than growing our audience, it was just like a, a, a legitimacy bump. Yeah, like just to um, show like we are here. We Kind of like we've arrived, you know, we're musicians. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny because like nothing on the ground actually changed. And we, we you know, we, we only got on Letterman because somebody had dropped off that day. Oh, so wow. we we only had we had like we uh, we had like 14 hours notice for playing Letterman. So we, we got a half night of sleep and then loaded into the studio at eight in the morning and then played and then watched it that night. It was very strange because that wasn't even it wasn't even on our radar that we could be on Letterman. Yeah. So um, I'm, just, I'm just kind of interested in that like I don't know if you would know it I don't mean to cut you off but just from a guy that like enjoys late night television as well yeah it's just like how does that even come to fruition like this do you even know how someone gets a hold of you in that case like do they send something to your PR or are they just kind it, of like it, yeah it's, looking, all through, for it's all PR. looking for local bands like someone in the area right now that I can get <laughs> no no it's all it's all press people so um we had a we had you know we our label our small label at the time um had hired a, a press company that I guess ended up having a connection with the the booker there and that that last minute whoever dropped off we'll never really know they called the press agency and then and they called us but yeah you can't yeah that, that the only way you'd get on one of those shows is by being already famous and having a press person yeah know, who's like hustling you full-time yeah no i just thought it was yeah. kind of interesting because like there are times i'll turn on a late night talk show or tv like back in the day and then you see a band on you're like okay interesting but like i wonder if that's like their whole, every story's like you know kind of exposure story where you're like all right like i wonder who they were supposed to have on it's like oh well the hidden gem now is like that band was never supposed to be there and then it's like well someone backed out and that's how they got there and they're like oh, right right cool. yeah <laughs> totally. but like i will say that, i'll always say we played conan twice and we did yeah. get actually booked for conan in advance so oh okay yeah. Yeah. yeah so there you go prep to conan i like conan like i, I mean listen I everyone conan. has everyone my has favorite like, growing up too yeah like everyone has their favorite and it's kind of interesting like there's no i don't i'm not hating on jay or hating on like dave but conan was just my guy like as soon as i see him take over the tonight show is like all right i'm a little bit worried for you conan because i was in university i'm like you you're more of a late night guy yeah but totally. i still feel like they they fucked him i don't care like I like, yeah. listen, I have, I have nothing yeah. against Fallon, but it's just to the point where I'm just like, you move the Tonight Show for Fallon, but you wouldn't move it for Conan to go do his in New York. I'm like, that's a little bit like, bang. But yeah, I mean, his energy certainly made more sense for that. I mean, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, I, I love Colbert, but for me, he's always be in my heart as the Colbert Report, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just, that's it's a little edgier format and that's totally his his vibe i had i had yeah. like a whole theory based on like because i've actually read like the whole late night shift book and then the war for late night because again i always wanted to be a host 
But I always think if there was just a few years in the difference where it's like, if you knew Stewart was retiring when he did and Colbert had not signed for CBS at that time, I'm like Colbert takes over the daily show. It's like, you can get Seth Myers to take over the Colbert report. Cause I like Seth Myers is more of a political guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, Conan stays where he is. Fallon stays where he is. Ferguson takes over the late show. All right. Then yeah. Ferguson, if you want to mm-hmm. give him that kind of time frame, and then you'd have uh Corden take over the late, late show. Like it's still a perfect lineup, but I guess like things just, they don't align. And then like things happen, but I'm like, as soon as I heard Colbert take over the late show, I'm like, all right, like, how does that going to work? Like, I, I like Colbert for political humor, but I don't know how I like him. It's just like normal satire, make jokes. Cause everyone has a, pr- like everyone had a thing. Like Ferguson's thing was monologues. Conan's thing was more of he's comfortable doing interviews. Like, you know, everyone had a thing and I'm like, Colbert, what you have political stuff. How is this working? <laughs> well, I mean, I, and, and to be honest, I mean, he's great at it. It's just that yeah. uh, for me, Colbert's genius and yes. in, in, in both his, dramatic roles that he did like in strangers with candy or like with the colbert report is he's so good at smartly playing an idiot and that's like that's totally his genius you know so and so when he's just being himself you're like oh this is great but i kind of wish you were being um, yeah being an idiot i want to ask you of course like now during covid because a lot of acts during covid it became like a divide of do i put out new music do i kind of take a break how did you react to, to COVID? I'm guessing that's when you kind of got into more cartooning. Well, yeah, <laughs> not really. Actually, let's see. We, I mean, we had a we had a tour scheduled right when COVID hit, so we canceled that, and then we <laughs> we kicked that down the pipe to the fall, and then we kicked that down the pipe <laughs> to the spring, and then we kicked that back. You know, we we ended up moving the tour four different times. I, I mean, obviously, it was bad for us financially to have to cancel so many tours. But uh, we lucked out that we had just built our own little recording studio in a in a sh- little shed office space in South Brooklyn, and okay. so we had we had already done that right like literally in February before the pandemic hit. So we were ready to record our own next record. We had been building towards that for a few records where we had you know recorded some of the stuff on our own, but then brought it to real studios and we finally felt like we were ready to record our own album. Pandemic hits. One, I mean, you know, one of the benefits of it was that all of a sudden we had a lot of time and normally we're always in a rush to finish things for the next tour, for the next whatever, you know. So we've never been like true studio musicians. Like we've always been kind of rushing. And uh, whether it was, you know, usually because we were working in another studio, it costed money and we were on a budget. But this time, because it was our own equipment, our own studio, we're not paying by the hour. We just spent an incredible amount of time in there chiseling away, just the three of us. And because it was COVID, you know, we were kind of quarantined together. We didn't really have any distractions or, you know, socially or employment wise, you know. So we recorded just like a ton of music. And that's some of that is what became Cheers. And yeah, just really, it, it allowed us to chip away at some more complicated, nuanced tracks that I think we wouldn't have had the time or energy to do in previous eras. Stuff like Hey Mod or um, Everybody Panic or the, there's a song suite of Raise, the, Raise a Glass, How the World Began, Cheers, okay. that ends the record um, that, you know, there's just a lot of detail and a lot of experimenting that went into it. And 
it was really fun to actually get to the time and space to be able to do that. So like, during, I guess like during the pandemic, not to make it sound like, oh yeah, we're going to like really hit them hard here. But like, you like kind of having like the, I guess, peace and space to kind of like, I guess mentally, like some people were burnt out and then some, like some artists, I'm surprised. Cause if you're already made in the industry, you're kind of looking at me like, all right, I'm going to take a break. If you're not, you're kind of like, okay, this, what do I do here? Do I kind of stop? Cause you got to look at the whole bigger picture here. Cause I, I think some people, and you know, with social media, you get pros and cons. This just is what it is. I think Dua Lipe is, I think that's how you pronounce it, but she came out with like an album and half the people were like, great. So we are having artists that release music. And then there were some people like feel the room. Like we're in a pandemic. Oh, yeah. No right, one can right. afford this. And it's like, relax. She, uh, at least she's making a stand of saying, yeah, I've got music here. If you guys are bummed out because the pandemic, let me be your savior. I'm like, you know what? All right, fair. It's like some people might not like it, but good for you. But- yeah, right. 2020 was weird. It was definitely weird like that. I I, yeah. I, I released my first uh, book of uh, comics during the, uh, the fall of 2020. And it was like huge protests in the streets and the the Trump Biden election and COVID rampaging and like it was a really it did feel like a really weird time to be like, hey, check out my book. So I had to like be really careful about how how I was doing it. Yeah, it was not a great time to release mus- music or art. That's for sure. Yeah, because I mean, the only real example I can think of from a past like conversation we had, we had like Nick Wheeler on from all or the All American Rejects. And he mm-hmm. had mentioned when they were first coming out with like their album, I think it was like maybe 2001. And it was like really around 9-11. And it's like, all right, geez, like what a great time to come out with music and shit. Cause you're basically like, yeah, right. hey, I know in the States we're all kind of worried about what just happened in people's lives, but we're a new band. Check out our song. It's like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you promote it without making it sound like, we're not actual piece of shit. We just, we got a lives too. And we're musicians and this is what we do for a living. Totally. Yeah. It's like with me coming out with a podcast tomorrow and like, you know, the world is ending and be like, I know the world's ending and I know yeah, we're yeah, all yeah, going yeah. to shit, but Hey, before it goes to crap, can you at least download this episode? Someone's like, feel the room, Tobin. I'd be yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. felt it. And I need, I need the energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, cause where you did mention about the new album, like tell me, maybe some things that were different from this album that you, cause obviously it was a different situation of doing it this time, but like, tell me some different situations of like this album compared to your last one. And like things that you've learned. Cause I know from episode one of doing this podcast to episode 50 to a hundred, I'll look and be like, what else do I have to learn? And then there's other things. So I'm like, you know what? You could have did this differently. Maybe say that differently. So like you take things along the process. Why things did you take for this album? You know, I think what, what, what I like about this record is I feel like we got to take the time to, to concentrate and do it. Well, that's one, that's one of <laughs> yeah. them. But, but, but also like, you know, a lot of times when I finish a record, I think most people have this experience with art in general, like you, you finish it. And then by the time you actually release it, you kind of hate it. Like you've heard oh, yeah, it too many times or, or you kind of, you've heard it too many times. Or you, you, you hear the shortcomings or you hear the things you would have done differently, but it's yeah. too late. And I kind of don't feel I don't feel that way about this record for the first time, really, in the band's in the band's career. And I think it's because we got to take the time. And uh, I also think like everyone gets to shine on this record in a way that previous records, like 
you know, we just don't always find the time to make sure kind of everyone gets their personality on, you know? So I feel like uh, my songs are very Tommy and Ben's songs are very Ben and Jesse's drums are absolutely crushing. He, Jesse even takes lead vocals on a song. So yeah, it just feels like all three of our personalities are really like showcased. You know, some, sometimes w- with any collaborative musical project, you can end up compromising something to death, right? Yeah. Somebody comes in with a great idea, somebody else doesn't like it, then you compromise, then nobody's happy. And I feel like this time we kind of followed uh, the passion, you know, like if somebody was really passionate about something, like it's like, hell yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's just crush, let's crush it the best we know. I want to, I want to ask you, you cause when you're saying everyone shines, like I was going to say, Jesse is the drummer. Like, I know you kind of went into it, but I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, how is it, how's Jesse going to shine as a drummer? Does he get like a minute drum solo? And then you're like, is it at the beginning of the song? Is it the end of the song, middle of the song? Because like, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at like guns and roses, I think. And then it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, slash more than anything. And you're like, okay, because he just had a lot of solos and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like there's a whole clip and I know they joke around, but it's like Michael Jackson and slash sharing a stage. And it's like, who's outperforming who. And then at the end, it's like, Michael just kind of goes, okay, it's like, fuck off, give it up, like stop. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps playing. And it's all a part of a bit, but I get it. It's almost like he's the guy who gets the solo, but you're also the guy who gets the solo. Who's, who's outweighing the solo here. But when you mention everyone gets to shine, like, tell me a little bit about that. Cause you said there's Ben songs. There's kind of your songs. Like how would we, as I guess people listening to music know whose songs they are? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't pick up on it at first, but I mean, yeah, me and him, sw- me and Ben switch off vocals, lead vocals. Yeah. I mean, my, my voice tends to be a bit more, um, no, I was going to say, are you, are you, I was going to say, are you going to be like humbly bragging, but like my voice sounds a little bit more better. No, like, no, <laughs> it's, uh, his, his voice is the better voice. My songs tend to be a bit more storytelling and narrative and a lot of lyrics. I also really am a big fan of like sort of suites of songs, like in that side two of Abbey Road sort of a way. So, okay. That's a flavor on a lot of my songs in this record, maybe a little bit sci-fi in, in lyrical content at times, a little apocalyptic. And um, ben, yeah, Ben just has this amazing, you know, Freddie Mercury kind of voice and writes these killer pop songs. But yeah, he and I are very different. So and, I'm, I'm guessing Ben's the one behind Halloween. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of that, that's sort of everyone's thing. Okay. Weirdly, he was not a fan of Queen. I, I mean, not that he disliked them, but yeah, um, it's so really, weird because he's the one who looks like the most like Queen. I, I know, um, but yeah, he uh, it kind of just fell into it, and I, you know, by virtue of we covered a Queen tune, you know, on tour, and people were like, "Wow, that sounds great!" Yeah, and I think it's just like we're the right lineup to do Queen. I mean, like. I love playing that style of lead guitar. Ben has totally has the Freddie Mercury vocal chops and he has, yeah. and he's a classical pianist. So between that, I mean like we're better equipped just naturally to do queen. And then by covering queen, we <laughs> I think have all become big, bigger queen fans than we were before. That's like, fair. I, f- I feel like if you go to like a, I mean, for younger kids or students or whatever out there like as soon as you go in and learn like piano or guitar and then it's like whoever the music teacher is if they have a favorite kind of band or artist and they want you to learn that music and you're like never heard it before it's like all right just learn the song and then you learn it and then you're kind of like all right i mastered this let's keep going like 
I bring that up as a joke because I think there's going to be like a generation of kids out there who've never heard of Oasis, but will start to learn the song Wonderwall. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I've been an Oasis fan since like my teacher showed yeah, me how yeah, to play. Yeah. And I'd be like, shut up. I'm like, we all know a guy who can play guitar that plays Wonderwall. And I'm saying that secretly because I can't do either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just mad when I see him in a room, walk into a party and play it. I'm like, you know what? He's my buddy, but he's a douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, play something else. Play something that they play something today. And they'll be like, wow. It's like, you just cock block me from getting that girl's number. I'd be like, because everyone, listen, you're no different than 20 other guys that could sing that song. Play something that they never heard of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But tell me a little bit about like Cheers. Like, was that all of you implemented on that? Or like, who kind of shun a little bit more? Like, who, who do you think that song? Is it more Ben? It's more you? That's like a really rare example of this phenomenon, but I actually, I usually whoever's singing wrote the song, but but Cheers, I kind of wrote for Ben, which I was in, but Ben also co-wrote it too. It's, 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 it's it's very complicated actually. So um, friendship, (laughs) I, I went, I was just hanging out with a producer friend in LA and we were trying to write a song and I brought, I just, for whatever reason, this old hook that Ben had written probably 10 years before that, you kept that it, he eh? never finished. I was like, what if we did something based on this? And it was just that little beginning thing on the song that he is tomorrow of the everyday. Okay. Just that one line. And so we use that as a springboard. And, and then me and my friend, Tim kind of, we wrote a song that day using that as the springboard. And then brought it to the band and kind of kept tweaking it. But yeah, usually whoever's singing it wrote it. And that one's a, like a, a lot more collaborative. Are you more of a lyrics first guy or more like, like you play something and then you hear it and you're like, okay, this would be good as a beat. Like, cause sometimes I'll listen to the music and like, I like the beat or I like how all the instruments col- like collaborate. And then you listen to the rest of the song. You're like, that's not where I would have went with that. And yeah. sometimes you listen to like the lyrics and you're like, I, I get the lyrics. Like I'll listen to like, I don't know. Sometimes to me, I think the lyrics come first. Cause then you can almost like, depending on the mood of the song, you can always change it up. Like for me with country music, I know maybe it's a, a different, difficult example or hard example, but sometimes it's like, I'll listen to country music, be like a rascal flat song and it's upbeat. But then if you slow it down and play it on piano, you're like, Oh man, like I can really get into those lyrics a little bit more. Right. Like, I yeah, think totally. there's a song that like Russell Dickerson has on and it's like called yours, but there's like a, a wedding version and there's a pop version. I'm like, I like both, but the wedding version to me sounds a lot more deeper. Right. But I feel like if he just came up with like, all right, here's the pop song and here's some generic lyrics to this pop song. And it's like, all right, can you do that in piano version? And it's like the piano version would sound like shit because it's like, I drive a tractor. And I'd be like, I'm not invested. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah it right. has no meaning. <laughs> So what, what, what say you lyrics first or, uh, I feel like I've done, I feel like I've, I, I, I kind of cycle through the different methods. Like I, I yeah. used to be, I think original, like or very early in the band, I was kind of a lyrics first guy or lyric heavy. And then I became more of a like riffs and chords and melodies guy. And then I think I kind of got burnt out on both and then became a drums and bass guy, like in the last 
like four, four or five years. So yeah, like Ramona or um, on the on the new record or How the World Began. Those were all drumbeat or Everybody Panic. All 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 of those were drumbeat first. But then I don't know. There's some that you know you just sing into your phone a cappella, and then that's the song. Like the the first song on the record um, intro track called A Century yeah. in the Making. Yeah, I, I like I just wrote wrote that whole thing on a on a hike when I, I was just walking around and sang it into my iPhone and, you know, put it together that night. But yeah, you just never know. I mean, and, and I feel like um, it, it, it helps me to like, just kind of spice things up, you know, like maybe write a song on an instrument I don't know well, or, okay. you know, something to shake up the snow globe. That's fair. I feel like when I was younger, like again, not in a band, but I remember sitting like, now, even skateboarding, just watching people skateboard and you're like just being a dick because you're on the half pipe or whatever that they go up and down on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this would be a great intro to a song. Like on a cold, dark night, I was sitting on a half pipe and someone's like, can you just move? And I'm just like, <laughs> but I've, I'm writing a song. And like, I still remember the lyrics. It's a great intro. Yeah. Like I remember the lyrics, but if someone came up to me more with like all the different instruments in the world to put together, I'd be like, I don't even know where to begin. I'm like, I, I've got it written up here. But I don't know, like, are we making it a pop song? Are we making a sad song? Can we do yeah. both? Like, can yeah. we can we have both versions? <laughs> and they'd be like, they're like, you're the one that's behind it. I'm like, all right, here, $20, $20 you take it. And they'd be like, what do you want me to do? It's your vision. And I'd be like, I'm just I'm just writing it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can be like a ghostwriter. It's like years later when you get like your, um, I guess I call it getting your heart broken or crushed when you find out like songs that you liked as a kid. You're like... I, it just you look at it so differently when you're older. Like I, I, and I could be wrong, but like listening to like Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera, "Oops, I Did It Again" or "Genie in a Bottle," I'm like that 16 year old girl definitely wrote that song because that's how today's world works. Taylor writes hers, Rodrigo writes hers, and right. it's like no, some like 50 year old guy wrote "Genie in a Bottle." I'm like that's that's kind of weird, man. Like 50 year old guy singing about "Genie in a Bottle." Like, don't worry, don't worry. There's there's 50 year old guys still involved with all the other new ones too. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. That puts me at ease. Now I'm just gonna like yeah. every time I listen to a song, I'm not gonna think of like you know the sexy female that's singing it like a Beyonce or Rihanna. I'm just gonna be like, ugh. It's like somewhere deep down in the valley, there's a guy who's like, what if I said this in a lyric? I'd be like, ugh. I do, I do appreciate that about new. I mean, I mean, a lot of them obviously are writing like yeah. Taylor, Taylor Swift is, yeah. is writing her own stuff. But um, yeah, it, it is interesting now that um, yeah, in the in the nineties, I don't think the Backstreet Boys were in the room until no. the, until the song was already done, and they just had to punch in and replace parts. But I mean, a lot of a lot of current artists, I mean, like, even if they have other people writing for them, you know, like they have like, some input, they have yeah. some input. And yeah, I, I, I that's, so that's nice. There's a little more yeah, personality there. Yeah. I feel like that's better. Like, I feel like when you actually then ask the artists about the song, they're not just coming up with like, oh, well, like I sat in a room and this guy brought to me and I loved it. And we just sat down. Like, I think there was like a clip now. I could be wrong, but it's like Brianna talking about the song Umbrella or it could have been Diamonds. And she was like very like oh my god up in the air of whether she was even going to be asked to be on the the track and but she was like oh i knew it was going to be great but she was like i was so worried if they were going to ask me or not because it's like one of her big hits and i was like man that gotta be so weird for you where it's like someone is writing the song and you're like all right like just please ask for my vocals yeah it's like how about how about you write the song you want release it and then we decide if we like it it's like some, sometimes I look at like a country music singer, like I think it's like Thomas Redd or like a Garth Brooks. And like when you listen to them explain 
the song. You're like, I'm not, you're not bullshitting me. You wrote that. Cause I listened to like Garth Brooks talk about the thunder rolls. And I'm like, that's either a really personal experience that happened in your life. Or like, that's how you felt. And this you explain it where an artist who didn't write it will just be like, I don't know, man, I just came in the room and like, uh, you know, I kind of felt the song. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't feel any of it. You just put your voice down and said, all right. Awesome. Right, right, right. <laughs> I want to talk to you about like, I guess a little bit of the beats behind the songs, because do you ever get like, you know, people come up and compare you to stuff or like when you're coming out with albums, you want to find things that, you know, people will know or listen to, but has anyone ever told you like you're a combination to me anyway of like, the bleachers, AGR, a little bit like 1975. Cause I listen to schizophrenia and I really like the intro, but like, do you ever get that to like people come up to you and be like, you sound like this band. And I like that. Or do they like, you sound like this and I hate it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's always <laughs> fascinating to hear what people, you know, I mean, you just listed, you just listed uh, bands. I don't really know. Very okay, that's, well. that's, that's I, I know I know that they're very popular, but I don't yeah. know their music very well. That's um, when you go back now. It's like this is where it's pre-recorded. You go and like take five, ten minutes and be like, hold on. Yeah, and you yeah. come back and be like, all right, I listen. I, I know, I know I've heard all, <laughs> yeah. all three of those bands. Um but yeah, so I don't know. I've always been surprised. Like, you know, earlier in our career, everyone would say we sounded like whoever had a piano, you know. Okay. So they would say we sounded like Benfolds Five or Elton John or Queen. I can see that. Um, you know, just because we have a piano. And then, yeah, for, I don't know, for a while it was like a different generation of band. And it's just, uh, yeah. What's like, I guess, I guess any comparison is fine. Like, I guess, I guess a kind of a fun question to go off that would be like, what is maybe the best comparison you got and your worst comparison? Because I'll share mine to kind of put you at ease here, but like, the best one I ever got was someone like on Instagram who does podcasting was like, I like watching your interviews because you, you remind me of a young Conan. And I was like, that is the best compliment I think I'll ever receive. I don't care if I like, I died tomorrow. And my mom was like, he was my favorite son. I'd be like, no, nothing beats being compared to Conan <laughs> where I feel like the worst comment I ever received was like, this guy is mediocre. His guests deserve better. I'm not wasting my time on this. And I was like, how do I make that a positive for a promo? Yeah. yeah, How do I spin that where it makes it me sound like something like Conan would do where it's like, all right, I'm reading your negative, but maybe that draws in an audience. Cause like how mediocre can he be? Let me check him out. Oh yeah. He's definitely mediocre, but I like these acts. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Honestly. I mean, I feel like, I feel like most of the, the, like when I, when we get a comparison, it's usually something that's kind of alien to me. So, um, I'm usually not offended because I don't really know (laughs) to be offended, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's also like if somebody's comparing us to somebody, they're usually not saying it because they hate us. They're usually trying to engage with us with how they listen to music. And so I, yeah, even if it was an artist I didn't like, like I would still just, if I could, if, if I could tell that they like that artist, yeah, yeah, then it's a compliment, you know? So I'll take it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you know what? When you say that, it almost makes me feel better when someone's like, "This guy's a Jimmy Fallon." I like again. I might not like Jimmy <laughs> if they, Fallon. If they like Jimmy yeah, Fallon, they, then they're yeah, saying like, something nice. Yeah, it could be worse if you like go back to their profile and you just see him like scratch out everything Jimmy Fallon. You're like, ooh, it's like okay. I guess that's not a compliment to me. I guess he's like, you're next on my list of people I hate. I'd be like, all right, lock the doors. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I want to ask, like, you know, I, I think we've done pretty well so far in the conversation. 
So like, I guess like a little bit of the fun aspect, we like to play a, a game at the end called like random question generator. This is right. where I lose the power of the, of my own podcast. I love but, it. Uh, number one, have you ever been to Canada? I'm literally in Canada right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, it works because now it will ask, what's your favorite part about Canada? Oh, um, let's see. I just went to Algonquin Provincial Park for the first time, and I thought that was lovely. Nice. Okay. Did a, por- did a portage canoe trip. Yeah. What, like, what, what's your favorite kind of Canadian snack? Like, I know down here in Newfoundland, we have Pineapple Crush. Oh, wow. I love Pineapple Crush. When I go, like, to Ontario, there's no pineapple. There might be, like, orange. I don't even think there's lime crush. There might be. But I think my favorite is, um, well, I'm not a big candy person, but I was introduced. Oh, you just to, lost. You just lost me. No, no. <laughs> but I, ju- I just got introduced to Coffee Crisp, which coffee, they do okay. not have in the States. And I think Coffee Crisp is a phenomenal candy bar. You have to see. So I, I will tell you this. You have to go back and look at like some of the Coffee Crisp commercial because they're pretty creative. Like someone will show you the difference between having coffee in the morning and a mm-hmm. Coffee Crisp. And there's literally one where someone will like and to make it look so simple is they just wheel out their desk and there's a coffee crisp in it. And then they wheel out their desk and it's just full of coffee with a cup. And I'm like, you're selling me. You're basically saying it's easier to go in the morning. Just take coffee crisp. Gives you the same boost as a coffee do. And then there's also yeah, yeah, a side, yeah. there's also a side of me who goes like the Tom Brady approach where it's like, I've never had coffee. But then someone will be like, have you ever had a coffee crisp? I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. I'm a fucking addict. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm right. no better than you. They're very good. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Tommy from Jukebox the Ghost for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. Do. Did. Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.